do a great job. Well, it's so great to have you guys here. I'm excited about this message. I've been praying about this message for several weeks now, preparing actually for several months, because today I'm going to reveal to you the word of the year for our entire church. I'm excited about this. And so I'm going to dive right in. You guys ready to go? Oh, come on. No, no, uh, we're not doing that. Are you guys ready to go? There we go. Well, again, thank you guys for being here. Thanks for being part of our services. Today's message is called One Word Can Change Everything for You. Now, I know we all have different areas of our life that we want to see change in, right? We all do. So see if you find yourself in any of these next few points. Maybe for you today, you got to be honest and admit, maybe you're unhappy in your career. Ecclesiastes 2 says this, What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving which they labor under the sun? All their day's work is grief and pain. This is meaningless. You ever felt that way? You're just like, man, what am I doing? Maybe some people, you know, live to work. Other people just work to live. They're like, let me just get the paycheck and just kind of get through with this. Did you know that the average person is not happy at work? Did you know that, that, that 80% of heart attacks happen on Monday morning? Did you know that? Which tells me that people are not happy many times with their work. And so we can be very unhappy in our work. Well, the word we're going to teach you today can change that. Maybe for you today, you're unhappy in your finances. Proverbs 11 says, those who trust in their riches will fall. And so maybe for you, you just say, Pastor, I'm just tired of being broke. I know people have actually told me this, professionals that have said, you know, I'm just never going to retire. And what they're really saying is, I've just given up on ever having enough to be able to really retire. Like, I just feel like I'm just going to have to work until I pass. You know, but, but God has a better way for you. Or maybe, honestly, you're unhappy in your marriage. Scripture says this in Proverbs 21, better to live alone in a tumble-down shack than share a mansion with a nagging spouse. I'm just going to keep moving here. So uh, <laughs> Isaiah 59.2 gives us another one. Maybe for you it's not that you're unhappy in your career, unhappy in your finances, unhappy in your marriage. Maybe you feel unconnected to God. Maybe you say, Pastor, I just feel like God's not really talking to me. He talks to other people, but he's not talking to me. Isaiah 59, 2 says, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. You just feel like, I pray, but I don't feel like God is hearing my prayers. Or maybe for you, you feel like you're unconnected to church. Maybe you're only here because someone dragged you in the doors to come to church. You feel like another family member of yours is much happier to be here than you are. Or maybe you're here because you just kind of feel like it's a duty you have to do. You know, it's just what you do on Sundays is you go to church but you're not really getting much out of it. Hebrews 10 says this, you should not stay away from church meetings as some are doing. Maybe you just feel unconnected. It feels like an obligation rather than something you're excited to be a part of. Or maybe for you, you feel unconnected to your purpose. You feel listless. You feel like, you know, Pastor, I just feel like 2023 was just another sideways year. I just got through it but I don't really feel like I've benefited much from, much from it. I feel like I got a lot out of it. You just feel like you're kind of going through life. Isaiah 49, 4 says, In spite of my hard work, I feel as if I haven't accomplished anything. I've used up all my strength. It seems as if everything I've done is worthless. You ever felt that way? You're like, man, I just feel like I'm just kind of going through the motions here. I want to include this first too, because a lot of young people are trying to find purpose in the wrong thing. I talk to young people, and it seems to me like they're all interested in the same thing. I just want to become famous. I just want to be that influencer. I just want to have a lot of followers, a lot of likes. I want to be a big deal online. But I need to let you know something. I've met a few influencers, 
And honestly, sometimes their life looks 10x better online than it is in real life. Many times, it's not that their life is better. They're just better at lying to you, making it look like they're so fulfilled. Scripture puts it this way in Proverbs 13. A pretentious, showy life is an empty life. A plain and simple life is, is a full life. So oftentimes, it's not someone who appears like they have it all together, but rather, God has something to really fill your life up with, not with just simply other people liking you or admiring you. And so maybe for you, you find yourself in these scriptures thinking, yeah, I, I get it. I feel unhappy in my career or my finances, my marriage. My, I'm unconnected to God, unconnected to church, frankly, unconnected to my purpose. If I could summarize all this in one verse, it would be this verse. Romans 12, verse 2. This is a J.B. Phillips translation. puts it beautifully. It says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Isn't that good? We just feel like the world's telling us how to think, what to do. You feel, you're just kind of like going along with life. Like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to go this way. and I'm supposed to think this way, and I have to operate like this, and I have to vote this way, and, and, and I have to say these things, and, or I have to have these beliefs. And it's not really anything you thought of. It's just what people are telling you you're supposed to think, telling you how you're supposed to feel, telling you what's, what's supposed to matter to you. And that's just frankly empty. God gave you your own mind. God gave you your own thoughts. God has more for you, but we let the world squeeze us through this mold. If I could summarize this, failure comes down to this in any area of your life. It comes down to this. We feel like we're just drifting. We're just drifting through life. Why did you go to this school? Because I was told to go to this school. Why did you take that career? I was told I should take this career. I was told I should. And so you're just kind of going along to get along. And you find yourself Drifting in your marriage, drifting in your walk with God, drifting in your career, drifting in your finances. You're just doing what you're supposed to do, what you're told to do, but not really getting anywhere, not really enjoying it. God has a better way, but many times we find ourselves drifting. You know what I want to do today is I want to fire you up. So I thought, let's light a fire. If I were to light a fire, I would get some matches I would light this thing up and say, let's, let's go. I want this thing to warm me up. Okay, well, that didn't do it. Let me see if this one will do it. Let's... No? And so you would eventually say at some point, you know, I don't think it's really going to work because you're just lighting matches. There's, there's nothing there to light on fire. But if you really want to light a fire that you can get some warmth from, if you feel like, I want to fire up my life, fire up my marriage, I want to fire up my career, then, then the way to really do that actually would be what? It would be to add something to it. Because then when you start adding wood to it, then you're lighting something that can give you warmth back. Or maybe you say, well, I've got a little fire going on. I've got a little something in my marriage or my career, or my walk with God or, or my finances. But I, I feel like I want more. Well, that's real simple. If you want more, you just kind of add more to it. You've got to really step it up. And if you begin to do this, this is how you light a big fire. But I wonder how many people are wanting to get a fire going in their life, but they're not putting anything new in. Could it be that we live in a culture that is expecting things for free? My, my boss just won't give me a raise. Your boss is not supposed to give you anything. You're supposed to pour more into that work, bring more value to the company, and then they'll reward you for what you poured in. So what does this have to do with our lives, with our careers, with our marriages, with our connection to God and church and purpose? It really comes down to this. Here's the word for the year. There is one word that can change everything for you in all these areas of your life. And that one word is based upon Galatians 6 verse 9. A man reaps what he sows. The word for the year is sow. 
if you will sow more in 24, you'll get more out of life. You tell me where you feel like your life is dry. You tell me where you things aren't working out for your life, and I'll tell you that's an area you're not sowing. But if you'll begin to sow in those areas, you will see a massive difference in your life. I'm fired up, guys. If you'll sow, you'll reap. But you got to sow. So if you sow more in 24, number one, you'll be happier in your career. Ecclesiastes 3.13 says, God wants all people to be happy in their work, which are gifts from God. By the way, let me tell you right now, people have this false belief that, man, if I could just find the job of my dreams, that job doesn't exist. I just need to let you in on this. There's no job of your dreams out there. Instead, throw your heart into the work you're given, and it will become the job of your dreams. You can enjoy your work when you put your heart into it. Look what Scripture says, Ecclesiastes 9. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. One time a guy walked in, he saw this custodian in a hospital. The custodian was, was mopping the floor. And he said, what do you do here? And he was mopping the floor. He didn't look up. He just said, I change lives. I save lives. You're mopping the floor. He goes, yeah, I know I save lives. He had connected the dots to realize that if that surgeon in there that makes all the big bucks and has all this great knowledge does surgery, but this hallway's dirty, that's going to lead to infection. And it doesn't matter how much the surgery goes well, if you get an infection, that'll kill you. So I got to keep this hallway clean, just like that surgeon's got to do their job. And if we both do our jobs, then we both save lives. So you got to connect what you do because it matters. You may feel like you've got a small part, but I promise you, your part counts. It makes a difference. Martin Luther King is one who said, if you got to sweep the streets, sweep it like you're Michelangelo. Sweep it like you're an artist. Put your best into it. You know, I had a lot of jobs when I was going to, in high school and in college, and my jobs, they weren't very impressive. I remember when I was in college, I worked at Radio Shack. I don't even think Radio Shack exists anymore. <laughs> but that's where I worked, and I pretty much figured out, I, I finally said to, to my manager, I said, hey, what's the biggest spiff? Spiff means what, what percentage will I make off of a product? And I said, what's the highest grossing spiff in the store? And she pointed me to the little cell phones. This is like forever ago. This is like a cell phone bag. Remember these things? I mean, so the young people are like, what are you talking about? I know that's shocking, but they used to not be small. But, but they, they had these cell phones. And so what I did when I figured out that's the best-selling item, like that's what you make the most of, I just went and stood by the cell phones the whole time. I just, this is Bill's Corner right now. I'm not leaving. And I just stood there. And you know, by doing that, within about three weeks, I became the top salesperson for the entire district. That district included Houston in the time. I was shocked. I was like, I can't believe it. All I did was just, I just, it wasn't that I was so brilliant. I just realized I figured out what's the game so I can win the game. And I just stood by it. You got to figure out what's the game in your company and you can win that game. There's a game in every company. I just want to challenge you. If you begin to put your heart into what you're doing, if you sow more into that career, then that career will warm you up. Then that income will go up. But you don't, you, you don't listen, you don't get a raise, you earn it. And if you pour in, you'll get more out. Does that make sense? Sow more in 24 to see your career turn into a career. And any job can turn into a career. Any job can. And so let me tell you right now, whether you need, maybe right now you're praying that God will open the door for you. I mean, I just need a door. God, please open this door. I want to tell you something. Small doors and large doors all swing on the same size hinge. You want a big door to open for you? That hinge is your work ethic. It's the effort you put in. If you don't have that, don't expect that door to open. And so you have to have that. How about this one? If you sow more, you'll be happy in your finances. Proverbs 11, 12, 28 says, those who trust in the riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. 
You ever notice the green leaf versus the brown leaf? What's the difference? The green leaf is still connected to the source. So listen, your finances can turn around when you begin to connect to the source. God is your source. Say, God, please show me. Give me wisdom. Let me read your word. Let me find out how to invest like you invest, God. You created investment. You created all the resources. So Lord, show me what to do. And God will guide you in your finances, but you have to sow more in to get more out. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing. Your vats will brim uh, over with new wine. God's saying, I will bless you, but you've got to sow into me so I can sow back into you, right? Psalms 107 says, they sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. Bumper means abundant. How many of you guys would like a, an abundant crop financially? God says two things. You've got to sow into my house, sow into me, and then what? Sow into investments. We're going to teach you in the next 30 days. We're doing a brand new series one of the weeks I'm going to talk about investments, and I'm going to unpack how wealthy people who did not start off with anything became wealthy based upon the Word of God. And so do not miss this series because I believe your finances can be turned around if you learn how to sow more and sow right into your finances. Don't miss this new series. How about this one? If you sow more in your marriage, happy will be your marriage. How does that sound? You want to be happy in your marriage? I mean, I'm the only one who says I want, to be, I want to be, you know, unhappy in my marriage. No one ever says that. I want to be happy in my marriage. How do you do it? Galatians 5.13 says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but not, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly. I had a single guy one time say to me, you know what? I'm single. I can do whatever I want. And I'm like, well, I'm married. I can do whatever I want. And what I choose to do is serve my wife. I just made that choice. So you, you can make a different choice. That's fine. But, but by doing that, it's a blessing. Let me let you know. I'm just going to get a little private and personal here for you about my marriage. But just tell you that my wife actually married me because she likes to use my body. <laughs> What's so funny? She does. She uses my body a lot. She likes to mainly use my body to take out the trash, clean the kitchen, <laughs> run errands. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And men know what I'm talking about. Does your wife like to use your body like that too? Yeah, that's not really what I had in mind when, I, when she said I want to use your body. I had something different in mind, but that's pretty much what, what it looks like, right? Let me ask you a question. I'm going to get real honest real, real quick. I want to, I want to ask a, a harsh question. But this question will get to the root of the issue in your marriage really fast. Here it is. And again, this is a little painful. And if you're single, think about this question because it will help you prepare for marriage. Here's the question. Are there any benefits to being married to you? Are there? Like being in your home, is there a benefit? Or being around you, is, are you a benefit or a deficit? Do you pick your wife apart, men, or do you build her up? Do you leave everything laying around like a big mess and expect someone else to clean up after you? Do you expect someone else to handle all the bills and you just don't worry about things and you don't take care of things and you just sit in front of the TV and just wonder why your marriage isn't thriving? Are there any benefits to being with you? I just want to challenge you to think about that for a second. In fact, you can apply this to any area of your life. Is there any benefit to you showing up at work? Or if you're not there or are there, is there no difference in the amount of work that gets done? Is there a benefit to you being involved? I think it's a question we should be asking ourselves. And, and, and before you say, oh, well, yeah, I do plenty of stuff around the house, and I do all kinds of stuff for her or for him. I mean, you would believe, but, but okay, let me ask you this question. Is there a perceived benefit? Because see, what you think you're doing for them, they may not care about. So the perceived benefit is that what do they want to see? If you'll do things on their terms, that's what makes a difference, doesn't it? 
We don't love God on our terms. Oh, God, I love you, but you know that one verse? I don't want to do that. But I'm going to do everything else. God's like, no, that's not how this works. No, you love the Lord on his terms. So when you really love someone, you think, what benefit do they need to perceive? I'm going to do that. And so are you a benefit or not to your spouse? If you will become a benefit to your spouse, that will bless you in return. I've learned that if I'll just let my wife use my body how she wants to and do whatever she'd like, when I do that, things go pretty well for Pastor Bill. If I have to explain that, I'm sorry, this message isn't for you. I don't know what to tell you. The point is this, is that we have to be honest with ourselves and say, am I really being a benefit to those in my family or a deficit? And I want to challenge even the young people in here who say, oh, well, I'm not married, it doesn't matter. Oh, it matters greatly now. Because if you're a terrible kid in your home, and what I mean by that is this, you're not doing anything. We have to beg you to do anything. You have to ask 50 times. We have to argue to get you to clean your room, argue to do anything, to help around the house. In other words, you're learning to be a terrible spouse. I mean, I don't think you're going to sign up and think, I can't wait one day to grow up and get divorced. But if you do that when you're married, that's what will happen. I want to challenge you. we got to think differently, guys. We are supposed to be a benefit to this world, a benefit to our families, a benefit to our church, a benefit to our community. If you'll begin to do that, is the world better or worse off because you're here? We're supposed to be benefiting others. Pour in. If I want to fire, i got to pour into it. And then I get the heat back. But I have to first pour in. Maybe you feel like, you're not connected to God. So let's do this. How do you connect to God? You begin to sow into your walk with God. Lucas says in Psalms 34, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. That means they glow. Their faces are never covered with shame. So we say, Pastor, I want to feel close to God, but man, the stuff I've done, the places I've been, those I've been with, God can't love me. Guys, you don't understand the cross. Jesus died for all that. The cross is enough. It covers all of our sins. God is a God of second chances. If you will just seek the Lord, he will answer you. He will bless you. He will lead you. He will guide you. Connect to God by sowing more into your walk with God, and you'll see the results you want. And if you'll sow more into your church, you'll feel connected at your church as well. 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You have a part to play in church. You say, I'm doing my part. I show up at church and then leave. No, that's not your part. I want to encourage you to add an hour. Say, I'm going to come to church, but I'm going to stay another hour. I'm going to come early or stay late, and I'm going to give my time. I'm going to make a difference. The people who are getting the most out of their church are people plugged in. They realize, I have a part to play to make things happen. If you will do that, you will get so much more out of the Word of God, so much more out of worship, so much more out of your church because you're connected now. I want to challenge you. If you begin to sow more into your church, you will end up blessed by doing that. And I'm excited about this new series we're starting next week called Your Best Year. We're going to talk about your best year relationally, emotionally, spiritually, financially. I promise you, don't miss the next 30 days. You are going to love this new series. In fact, next week, by the way, two of our campuses are starting new services. Our Rodfield and our Stone Oak campuses are both adding an 830 service. Let's give it up for those guys. That's a huge step of faith. Proud of you guys for doing that. I want to pray right now. I want to pray specifically that God would lead you to bring someone to church next week. 
Now, I'm going to be honest with you. You look around this room right now, and whatever room you're in right now listening to this message, if your room is full, that means we may need you to not only bring someone, but maybe come to an earlier hour or a later hour if it's full. If we had a lot of visitors show up right now at our 1130 hour here at broadcast, there's not a lot of room for people. Look around. Right? I mean, it'd be like, oh, gosh, we're going to run out of room. So the way you can help would be to come to the 1 o'clock service or to come to the 8.30. Most of you are like, if i got to choose between those two, I'll see you at the 1, right? So <laughs> some of you are early birds naturally. That's great. But maybe if you're not, you know, we have a 1 o'clock service. Well, it always amazes me at the 1 o'clock. We have people that show up 30 minutes late to the 1 o'clock. I'm like, what were you doing on Saturday night? I don't <laughs> understand. You know, it's like, but the point is this, is that the primary hours that people visit a church for the first time is 10 or 11.30. And so you can help us make room by saying, I'm not only going to come to church this week, I'm going to come to one of the other hours and bring someone with me. But let's pray. Even if you say, I can't change hours, that's fine. Bring someone with you. Because if this message is benefiting you, then how much more will it benefit your friends? If this message is benefiting you, how much more will this benefit a family member? So let's pray right now. Every head by the right closed. God, I pray you lay upon our hearts the name of someone that you want us to bring. A family member, maybe a coworker or a neighbor a friend that we care for dearly. God, thank you. You're blessing us with this message, learning that if we'll just sow more into our lives, we'll reap more as well. God, I pray that we would sow into our neighbor, sow into our friend or family member, and then bring them to church so that their lives can be changed and impacted as well. Thank you, God, that we're the kind of church that doesn't just think about ourselves, we think about others. So God, put upon our hearts someone right now that we're to bring, and we will obey you and invite them to church. In your name we pray, and everyone said Amen. Thank you, guys. We're excited about that. It's going to be great next week. Do not miss. I want to encourage you, though, if you'll sow more in your church, you will get more out of your church. You will feel connected to God and connected to church. And the last one I want to cover is this, 1 Corinthians 2. It says, God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of his purposes. You don't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message. Listen, listen. God's trying to tell you his purpose. His purpose is not the latest sermon. It's not the latest message but more like the oldest. Oh, wow. So how do you know what God's purpose for your life is? I want to tell you, I'm not going to tell you God's purpose for your life. It's already in you. It's my job to uncover the dirt to see what's already there. Did you catch that? You already have a purpose from God, but more like the oldest, what God determined as the way to bring out his best in us. There's something that you're good at, and I bet the world has already figured it out. That's why you got the job you have. That's why you do what you do every week, is there's something that you're pretty good at, that someone's already discovered that. And so it's your job to stoke the fires of that, to throw logs on it, to improve what you do. In fact, Scripture says this in Proverbs 11, a generous person, another way of saying generous person would be to say what? A sower, someone who sows their time, their energy, their resources, a sower will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So how do you connect to your purpose? Let me just ask you a couple questions. What are you good at? What do people say you're good at? Figure out what you're good at, then develop it more. LeBron James is an amazing basketball player, we can all agree, but he didn't start off this talented. Someone recognized that he had talent, then he put in the work to develop the talent. So let me just ask you, if you had a line of dominoes, several lines of dominoes lined up, and you knock one over and one domino falls over, you're like, okay, it means you're okay at that. But there's something in your life that you knock one domino over, uh, domino over and 10 fall over. So one thing, you're, you knock one, one falls over, okay, you're okay at that. One, 10 fall over, it means you're gifted there. But if you can develop that gift, then one day you'll knock one domino over and 100 will fall over, or 1,000 will fall over, because you develop that gift. 
So I want to challenge you. If you want to know God's purpose for your life, what did God already build you with? What is already in you that you're good at? What are your natural gifts? Natural is just what God supernaturally put in you. Develop that gift. Guys, I'm still using the same gift. 26 years in, the very first service we ever had, I preached one time. Eventually, about six months in, we added the second service. I was preaching the same message twice. Then the next year, the same message three times. Then four times. Then about three years in, I was preaching it five and six times a weekend. Then someone said, hey, there's this new thing called technology. Let's record it. And then we can actually play it in another room. Eventually, we play it in another room. Then we play it in another building. And now I preach, I'm still preaching one message, and I just do it multiple times in multiple buildings, multiple services, and multiple campuses. It's the same simple gift. I'm just throwing wood on it. I want to challenge you. What has God gifted you in? It's time to recognize that is how you connect to your purpose. If I could summarize, earlier I summarized how we miss our purpose, how we miss strengthening our marriage, we miss strengthening our walk with God, and how did I summarize that? By drifting. We're just drifting through life, drifting through everything. But then let me summarize how we connect to all these things. If I could give you one phrase that would help make the biggest difference in your life. Sow is the word for the year, but let me, let me explain how you can sow. Here's what you do. Here's the conclusion. Make yourself useful. If when I go home, instead of saying, how do I make my marriage great? If I just say, what needs to be done around the house? What would help my wife out? Oh, the car's out of gas? I'll take her car and I'll gas it up. Make myself useful. Oh, the kitchen's a mess? I'll clean up the kitchen. Oh, the kids need someone to help with their homework? I'll help with their homework. If I will just make myself useful, God will improve my marriage off of that. If I want my walk with God to change, instead of always saying, God, give me this, give me that. If I say, God, what do you need from me? How can I be useful to your will? And all of a sudden, God begins to fill me with his power and do great things for my life. Why? I'm making myself useful. If you'll just go to work this week and just make yourself useful. You say, well, I got my stuff done already. So you finished a little early? Well, then why don't you go to your neighbor at work and say, hey, can I help you finish your project? I finished up early. Can I be useful to you? Can I help you out? Just make yourself useful. There's a guy I had dinner with one time named Al Weiss. Al is a great guy, and, and uh, he, 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 has a simp- he has a simple life. He, I said, how did you start your job? And he said, well, I worked in high school at Disney World. I like, yeah. And uh, he was still working at Disney when I talked to him. But I said, where'd you start? He said, well, I started, he said, you know, you walk into to the Magic Kingdom. I was like, yeah. He goes, you go right. And it's like, the tomorrow lands that way. So yeah. He goes, well, on your way there, there's a popcorn stand. I was like, oh, yeah. He goes, I worked that popcorn stand. I said, when did you start? He said, 1972. I was like, oh, that's the year the place opened. He goes, yeah. He said, so I worked the popcorn stand. He's an, old, he's an older man now. And, uh, and I said, well, what'd you do? He goes, well, at the end of the night, I would just average a till, make sure my numbers matched, and then turn in the money. And if I finished up early, I would go to the cute girl about 10 feet down th- from me that had the ice cream stand, and I would help her do the same thing. That's great. And then what? And he goes, well, that girl, I helped her out a lot, and she told her boss I was pretty good at this. So then the boss said, why don't you go around in, in this little department and help everyone average the till, make sure that their numbers balance out. And he says, that's what I did. I said, then what happened? Well, then someone came to me, my boss came to me, he said, hey, instead of going off to college, said, no, you could do that. Why don't you stay here and go to our local college, which is called UCF, right here in Orlando, go to the University of Central Florida, and then you can continue to work here because I think you may have a future. He's like, okay, sure. So I continued to work my popcorn stand, and I began to eventually help balance the till of other stands. And eventually when I graduated, they said, we just want you to go around and just make sure everyone's till at the end of the night matches. I said, then what happened? And well, then they put me over the, 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 this, this whole right side of the Magic Kingdom. Wow, then what happened? Well, about 10 years in, then they just put me over the Magic Kingdom. Oh, wow. And then what? Well, and then eventually I was over all of Disney World. I said, Al, how many employees do you have? How many people answered you? You said 54,000. 
okay. How'd you do that? Just wherever there's a need, I helped out. He said, eventually, now my job's changed. I'm not over Disney World anymore. Now I'm over Disney Parks. So I get calls in the middle of the night from Shanghai Disney, Disneyland Paris, Disneyland California, and Disney World, and I have to manage all of that. I said, do you want to become CEO? He goes, oh, no, I don't want that job. That's the one you get fired from. I don't want that job. <laughs> smart guy, very smart. He said, I'm right below that position. And they've asked me several times. But I said, nope, I'm good where I'm at. And that's how he rode out his career for 35 years, just being useful. Guys, you're overcomplicating your life. If you want a great life, if you want some fire stoked in your marriage, if you want a fire in your career and your finances, put more in and say, how can I be useful? And if you'll do that, God will give you a 24 like you've never seen before. So more in 24. And you'll see God bless your life in areas. You tell me where you're frustrated, I'll tell you an area of your life that you're not sowing. You tell me where things aren't going well, you're not sowing in that area. Or you're sowing the wrong things in that area. Sow something different and you'll get a different result. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed, we take a moment to pray. Where is God speaking to you saying it's time to sow something in? Pastor, I'm going to be honest with you. My marriage is not where I want it to be. So differently. What kind of words are you sowing to your spouse? What kind of actions? Are you a benefit or are you a deficit? Change what you're sowing in your marriage and you'll get new results. Maybe you're frustrated in your finances. Pastor, I'm just not seeing the results I want. Are you sowing enough? Maybe it's time to sow some more. Pastor, I'm, I'm just, I feel unconnected from God. Are you, are you seeking the Lord? Are you sowing time in with God? Are you making your time with God in this church consistent? If you'll sow more in, you'll get more out. Don't expect a fire without putting in the wood. Put in the logs. Put in more, and you'll see a greater result. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If God is speaking to you about a specific area of your life, and you know the Lord's saying it's time to sow more, lift your hand high if that's you. Say, I know where God's speaking to me. I know what he's wanting me to do. I'm going to sow more in that area of my life. Thank you. Your hands going up all across our churches. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. We see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. You're obeying the Lord. Say, I'm going to sow in that area, God. I can't expect greater results in that area unless I sow. Praise God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. Jesus made himself useful to us. He could just show them and say, I'm God. How great am I? Everyone worship me. And that would have been great. But what we really needed was a Savior. So he gave his body, his soul, his life. He surrendered it. He became useful to what we needed. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, the things that keep us from heaven. Then Jesus rose again. And now he waits for you and, and me to individually receive him so that one day we can go to heaven because we know him. And while we're still here on this earth, we can walk with him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You can receive Christ right now. Pray this simple prayer with me across all of our campuses, those watching online. Just say this out loud. Just say, dear Jesus, thank you for making yourself useful to me. You gave your life for me and you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. I repent of my sins. I now want to put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me.
with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, no one's looking around. If, you, if that's you today, would you lift your hand high? If you just gave your life to Christ, just hold your hand high. Thank you. There are hands going up all across our campuses. Hold your hand high. Praise God. Thank you. We see your hands. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Hold that hand high. Thank you, Stone Oak. Praise God. Thank you, Padre Island. Praise God. Thank you, Portland. Hold that hand high. Praise God. Thank you, Stone Oak. Broadfield, come on. We see your hands. Right here at Broadcast. We praise God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. If you're online with us right now, if you just gave your life to Christ, just put it in the text chat. Just text, my hands raised, or click, hand raised right now. We thank God for you, for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. Father, I thank you for each person here. Thank you, Lord, for those who just received you. I pray, God, that we would follow you from this day forward. And Lord, thank you, God, for speaking to those of us who already know you, but recognize that we're expecting more out of an area of our life that we've not put enough in. So God, help us begin to sow more in 2024. That's a commitment we make to you, God. We cannot expect greater good in our life if we don't pour more in. So we choose today to become sowers, to sow into our own lives, into our church, into our communities, into our marriages, into our families, so that we can reap the results of all that sowing. Thank you for your word today. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true. Pastor?